Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome uh, to another installment of Strike Out the Stigma, presented by our sponsor, Kate Law Offices. And we are beyond excited to be hosting all of you today uh, via Zoom. We couldn't do this without our sponsor, and we'd like to uh, you know, put a shout out for them right now and, and thank them again. Uh, hopefully, we'll be doing these in person before too long. I am here in Clearwater. Uh, and it is a beautiful day, I'm sorry to say, for all of you up in the north. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty nice here. But uh, I am very fortunate to be joining you uh, via Zoom here, as, as I guess we all are, as the Phillies, in conjunction with Minding Your Mind, present a community outreach initiative focused on bringing important conversations to the forefront about the value of healthy life habits, supporting those around us, and removing the negative connotations surrounding mental health. Our topic of conversation for this month is centered around Women's History Month. Specifically, we are examining stresses and expectations of being a woman in the workplace. We encourage a, a safe place here, and we always have during the Strike Out the Stigma events, and encourage all of you to uh, turn your cameras on uh, and engage with our panel for this interactive conversation. We thank all of you who have submitted questions uh, beforehand and took the time to engage with us that way. And we will have your questions during this time. However, if you want to ask a question during the program, uh, there's a couple of ways uh, that you can do it. You can type in the chat that you'd like to ask a, a live question, uh, or uh, you can direct message your question in the chat to TJ Farrell, uh, who will in turn relay that message to us and ask our panelists uh, anonymously. Uh, just a plug for TJ, he is the driving force uh, behind uh, this great effort we have to address uh, expectations of, uh, of all of us being mentally healthy when we all know that every once in a while we need a, a checkup from the head up, as I you know, have heard one of our panelists say in the past, and it's, it's right on. Uh, also, today's panel will be recorded for families to view across the tri-state area, as well as uh, right here on phillies.com. Today, we are lucky to have an incredible panel that's ready to uh, talk with you and engage in, with you and hopefully uh, answer uh, more than the questions you submitted. Again, we hope this is an interactive conversation that, that you can take part in uh, here on Zoom. New for uh, 2022, we'll have a member of our Phillies front office join me as a co-host uh, for our panel. So please let me welcome uh, one of our favorite people. And I know you all feel the same. Kathy Killian, the Vice President of Administration. Uh, Kathy, thanks for joining us today. And uh, you, along with TJ, you greenlighted this program. And uh, it it's, makes me so proud to be associated with the Phillies for a number of reasons, but one of them is this program on Minding Your Mind. So why don't you let the, uh, the folks that may not know you, as well as all of our folks there at the home office at Citizens Bank Park, know you and, and let them know a little bit, little bit about your role with the Phillies. Well, thanks so much, Scott. It's really an honor to be here and uh, participate in this conversation for all of us to really take away some really good advice today from professionals, um, from each other. Uh, and it's wonderful that so many people were interested to, um, to have a good discussion today. Um, so I've been with the club for 36 years um, in my role. Uh, basically, I'm a business partner for, for pretty much everyone in the company. Um, I lead most of the people related things like employee engagement and employee recognition. Um, I know of Minding Your Mind for the last eight or nine years now from some personal experience, 
um, help that it's brought to members of my own family, um, friends here at work. I've been to their events and um, I just really am a, an advocate for the work that they do in the community. Um, TJ and I over the last few years have, have been able to network and meet some new friends at Minding Your Mind. So we're just really thrilled to partner alongside um, uh, of all the good work they do. This month with Women's History Month, I feel um, there's no better time to talk about what the last two years have been about for so many of us. And, you know, with talking about things and, and being comfortable about answering a question, maybe there's someone else in the room that can benefit from these conversations. And I feel, you know, TJ bringing us all together has, has really helped us do that. So thanks for letting me be here today. Oh my gosh, and we thank you again for your support of these uh, dialogues that uh, we have, Kathy. And if you don't know Kathy, she has the biggest heart of any human being. We, we certainly appreciate that, that she's one of our teammates. Uh, also joining us from the Philly Strong Office is Shannon Snellman. Uh, Shannon, thanks for joining us on this panel today. And uh, obviously all of us at the Phillies know what you do, but why don't you uh, uh, connect with the rest of the folks here and give them a little uh, background on the uh, and your position with the Phillies. Sure. So I am Shannon Snellman. I'm the director of finance and controller. I have been here for seven years, which is far short of Kathy's 36 years. <laughs> um, in my role, I oversee the accounting and payroll departments. So our department is responsible for financial statements, financial reporting, uh, budgeting, taxes, accounts payable, accounts receivable, and paying every Phillies player and employee in Philadelphia, Florida, and the Dominican and I see that some of my teammates who work on all of these tasks every day are on this call today. So good to see everyone. Thanks for having me. Well, that's great. And, I, and actually, I should uh, introduce our players down here in Clearwater to you because uh, you are their biggest fan since you wrote the text. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you. Only on payday, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Okay. Thank you very much, Shannon. Uh, also, uh, next, uh, we have a first time Mind to Your Mind, a member. Uh, with us anyway, Kelly Moriarty. Kelly, it's uh, great to have you here on the Strikeout the Stigma panel, uh, making your debut during these uh, series of, uh, of, of times that we spend together. Uh, if you would, please uh, let us know a little bit about how you got connected with Minding Your Mind and, and what you do for that great organization. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here with you all. Um, I've been with Minding Your Mind for six years. And my position is a young adult speaker, which means that I go into schools regularly and I work with students and I tell them my own personal story with my mental health struggles. And the goal there is to destigmatize mental health and to start the conversation and give young students the courage to talk about their mental health story. And I just got connected with Minding Your Mind through the community and attending different community events throughout um, local boroughs and cities around Philadelphia and showing up to support different organizations and Minding Your Mind was always there. They always had a table or a representative there um, to advocate for what they do. And I just was so enamored by their mission and I couldn't help but get involved. So I'm really happy to be here on behalf of them. And, and we're very uh, blessed to have you with us as well. Thank you very much, Kelly. Uh, as you may or may not know, if you can see TJ there uh, on your screen, he is a a large, uh, big-time advocate of his University of Villanova, which now I'm, I'm still surprised that uh, the next member uh, of, this, uh, of this panel uh, is actually from LaSalle Public Health Department. So I don't know how she slipped in, but man, are we glad to have her. 
Uh, please, please welcome Dr. Candace Robertson James uh, to this discussion. And Dr. Candace, so nice to have you with us. Let's uh, find out a little bit about yourself and, and what you do. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be with you this afternoon. Uh, I am an Villanova alum, so. <laughs> oh, there we go. I should have known. <laughs> we do share a connection there. Um, yeah. but, but uh, I currently am at LaSalle University and I direct the public health programs at LaSalle University and chair the Department of Urban Public Health and Nutrition. And I've had the privilege of engaging in a lot of work uh, around the, the, some of the topics that we'll be discussing uh, this afternoon, working with women um, around lots of different things that pose barriers and challenges um, to their health overall, looking at gender norms and expectations and how they influence our health beliefs and practices. And so I'm excited to, to be with you this afternoon. Well, we're excited to have you. Thank you, Dr. Caniston. You just said two words that really piqued my interest gender norms, and I hope we can get into, into that uh, Women's History Month a little bit more with you. Uh, also, uh, right now, it's my pleasure to turn things over to our co-host uh, today, Kathy Killian, who has the first question for our incredible panel. KK, it's all yours. Thanks a lot, Scott. So I want to thank everyone in advance for questions that were sent in advance. And again, just remind you that if something gets you thinking and you want to put something in the chat or simply email to TJ. We want to talk about it here. So, you know, please feel free to do that throughout the conversation. Um, but our first question today is actually for you, Kelly. Um, we want to know um, how you handle work-life balance and what are some of the ways that our attendees today can improve their work-life balance overall? If you could share some stories there. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for the question. Um, a lot of my answers in especially just this topic, but in general come from, you know, the inside out. And so when I was thinking about this question, um, I thought about how do I value myself? Um, what are the things that I consider to be um, my values? And when I was thinking about how when I feel insecure at work, I start to feel like I have to overdo it and show up and, and work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And when I feel secure at work, I feel more able to set boundaries. So for me, work-life balance, it really comes down to, do I feel secure in who I am? Do I feel like I bring more value to my life beyond just being an employee? But do I have value being a partner, being a daughter, being a friend, being a member of my community? And when I place more emphasis on those roles that I play outside of just being a, a great employee, which I hope that I am, and that is important, but can I show up 100% in other areas of my life and do I value those areas? And, you know, that's really how I started to shift from being very focused and, and you know, always stressed about work and having to overdo it and go the extra mile to, to knowing that working a full schedule is enough and, and taking care of what's on my plate is enough so that I can show up in other relationships and have emotional availability and, and time for the other areas of my life that I value and, and people need me. Um, so, you know, I learned how to say no. No is a full sentence. That is my greatest <laughs> resource is the word no. Um, if I get a call at 6 p.m., my phone's off. My work phone is turned off. Um, so there's certain little things that I had to do, little boundaries that I put in place, not answering emails after 530. Um, that can be hard mm -hmm. when you work remotely and the computer is 
just one reach away. Oh, let me just check. And then all of a sudden an hour and a half goes by and I haven't spent time with my family. Um, so again, those boundaries just putting in place, not answering emails after 5.30, saying no if it's too much and, and putting more emphasis on the other areas of my life that I bring value to is kind of how I balance the work-life stressors on a daily basis. Oh, that's, those are great answers. And, and I know uh, off the cell phone thing, earlier this week, I misplaced my phone. And you know how that could be, especially when you're crazy like we are down here in spring training. And, and I went to the last couple of people that I had seen thinking that it was in their office. And I went to our, our friend Mike Ando's office and I, I was frazzled. I guess you could probably see it. It's pretty easy to see. And he said, instead of worrying right now, why don't you just enjoy the fact that you don't answer your phone for a couple hours? And I thought, you know what? That's a really good answer. So I stopped looking for my phone for a little while and just kind of chilled out and then uh, eventually found it as we always do in the last place I had it. But the, it, it's so true. You have to just, you know, get away for a little while. That's, that's a great answer. Thank you very much. Uh, going off that answer, our next question is for Shannon. And the question comes to us from a parent who says that they're struggling with work-life balance when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic and the adjusted working world we live in. What are some practices that you've used as a mother and leader of your department in this new remote work from home environment uh, that have been successful in helping you balance your life? Yeah, so I think uh, one thing that a lot of people quickly learned when we um, started the working from home from during the pandemic was that it was definitely hard to separate from work when, like Kelly said, your laptop was just, you know, in the next room waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> so you didn't really have that end of the day, you know, shut down the computer, say goodbye, go home for the night closure anymore. And so, you know, became clear right away for me that I needed to have that separation in order to spend time with my family and give them the attention that they not only wanted, but deserved. Um, so for the last now two years, which is crazy, that's been two years, but I, I generally put a, a hard stop on my day at, at 4.30 and I spend the, the time until 8.30 just with my family. So we have dinner, play, activities, homework, you know, whatever we need to do. And I just truly try to focus my, those few hours on my kids versus you know worrying about what's waiting for me a few steps away on that on that computer. Um, and then at 8:30 when everyone's asleep and I have you know had a couple hours to kind of decompress with my family, then I can return to work. And I realized that you know getting back on to work at 8:30 is not an ideal balance for everyone. Um, in some people's minds they're like, why would you do that? But for me, it gives me the break that I need to focus on my family and then allows me to kind of reset and start again, you know, for anything that I may be left waiting for me before. And the other part of that is that I always am very transparent about this, you know, with, with my team and everyone, you know, that's looking for me work-wise. So I might not answer an email or a Slack from someone from 4.30 to 8.30, but then you know, late at night, I might respond to them. And I always put in the email, you know, do not answer this until tomorrow. And sometimes they listen to me, sometimes they don't. But you know, everybody has different schedules, different commitments. And, uh, you know, hopefully them seeing the way that the timelines that I set for myself helps them, you know, set similar ones and know that I'm truthful when I say, you know, I'm working now, but you don't have to be because we all have different things going on. 
Yeah, I, I just want to comment on that, Shannon. I think, um, you know, as leaders in the company, the, the leading by example piece is so important because when you value that, you make it normal for everyone else on your team. And that's really a great takeaway for people, um, you know, to make sure that you value that, pet, that you know, family time because it is really so important. Um, so we're going to shift gears a little bit because this is actually a question that someone um, in our community asked here. So the question we have is, in fact, for Dr. Candice, and we're excited to, to hear from you on this. What are some ways that male and non-binary colleagues can be allies, as well as remain mindful of un unfair expectations of our female colleagues? We're excited to hear about this from you. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, I think one of the first things is really um, in the question is really recognizing, you know, that gender norms and gender based expectations do exist, that they are real, even if they are not maybe as relevant for ourselves or for our specific family systems, that they are very strong and that they can be both conscious and unconscious. And so someone might very overtly discuss how they don't feel like those you know traditional stereotypical gender expectations are relevant for them, but then subconsciously or unconsciously that might be playing out in their life. And so I think it is really important to realize that there are both you know very conscious ways in which we can articulate the ways and the pressures and the stresses that we might feel that are gender-based. And then there are very unconscious um, ways in which these things play out um, very subtly and in the pressures and the expectations um, that we feel. And so I think it's really important to, to, to look at gender-based discrimination and how it plays out in our various workspaces. Some of the things that we've you know, already talked about, being willing to speak up, I think is so important. Um, being willing to fight for things like equal pay um, and looking at how uh, certain types of work are valued or unvalued in certain types of spaces, they all are really, really important um, in speaking up and being allies um, to offer support for people who are feeling those pressures and those stressors. And having people really understand that they don't have to be super women, right? We don't have to, as uh, one of the, the research projects that I was engaged in, the women were talked about wearing an S on your chest all the time. Sorry. Could you and say that again? Sorry. And uh, they really, you know, just talked about that, that they had to, uh, you know, felt like that they want, they need to be super women all the time, that they need to be ex excellent at home, the, the best mothers ever, the best employees ever, um, that they just needed to be super women. And so uh, reducing those pressures and those stresses, um, offering support to let people know that they can just be human and <laughs> they don't have to be superhuman. Um, and then that is, is, is I think, part of uh, beginning to unpack some of the pressures uh, and gender-based expectations that people feel. Good, good answer, excellent. Uh, Dr. Candace, I just wanted to mention something to that. Um, last year, we activated um, some training for our organization. Um, we refer to them as conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there was a lot learned through a series of videos. We'll be doing more of that this year. Um, but just for the audience, would you be able to just to define that for us if people don't know what non-binary colleagues, um, you know, what that might feel like, look like, um, and kind of just speak to that, just to be helpful. 
Absolutely. And so uh, traditionally, we've had a very, you know, binary uh, understanding and definition of gender. And uh, more recently, um, our society has been able to understand that not everyone experiences gender the same. And uh, sex is actually the biological identity that you're assigned at birth. But gender is our social interpretation of that identity. And so as we live our lives, we can um, take in or, you know, exclude certain parts of that identity and actually that our identity is along a spectrum right that it's not necessarily just one thing or the other that most of us are along a spectrum and so for some people they might strongly identify along you know what we might uh, traditionally call um, female or male but for other people they don't and um, and for other people they don't feel like they want to um, identify along that's along those that dichotomous uh, spectrum at all and so so that we are giving space for people to really um, fit where they feel that their identity that best represents their authentic self um, along that spectrum of gender, understanding um, that some people don't have any identity specifically along that spectrum and other people are along different spaces um, along that spectrum as well. And that there's different norms and expectations also that influence and play into that as well. So people can um, identify in the specific ways, but then not identify with those norms either. And so that there's a lot of complexity when we when we talk about gender. It's such a complicated question. And, and uh, I hope, hope you don't mind if I follow it up a little bit. And uh, a lot of folks really, and thank you for uh, explaining non-binary, but there are pressures from people uh, who consider themselves non-binary especially during, during this month of women's history, uh, there are stresses about when I want to identify as, as this, uh, and not a male or a female. Uh, that can be tremendously uh, stressful. Uh, what are some, maybe some words of advice on uh, how you should deal with that and maybe when you should feel comfortable about revealing it? And Dr. Candice, I guess I'd like to stay with you on that. Sure, that's such a great question, especially like you, as you mentioned in, in this month. Um, I think, you know, really having a safety support, you know, people around us is so important. Um, as you mentioned, uh, your, your, your trainings, I think there's a lot of uh, great literature, books, websites, um, movies, even that are helping people to better understand a gender along a continuum and to understand that there's no right or wrong, that gender really is our social identity, right? It's how... Mm -hmm operationalize this right and so there's we all get to decide that and it means different things for different people and so being willing and open to engage in those conversations with people but sometimes you know if you feel like uh you know you might have a friend system or other network system um, that is not yet ready for that conversation sometimes you know engaging in books or literature websites trainings podcasts movies around the topic can really help to open those doors and have conversations that might have felt uncomfortable um, otherwise. And then I think for, for all of the people who want to be allies is really giving space for people to not have to fit into these cookie cutter molds of this or that, um, broadening our horizons, asking questions rather than making assumptions about people's identity um, is, a, is another thing that we can definitely all do. Thank you, Dr. Candice, because I know uh, myself, and I guess I'm a perfect example of an older white man. I, I, this is all new 
And, and uh, you know, I always kind of revert back to uh, there's not enough, enough love in the world. There's nothing wrong with love. We need more love. And uh, so I, I really appreciate your, your helping me to understand that. I guess it's the best way to say it. KK, I know you're, uh, you're hosting this event, but I'd like to ask the next question to you because you've risen up the ranks of a, a major uh, sports franchise. And along the way, I know that there have been challenges because uh, you are a woman. And, and maybe even more because you are a caring woman. And we tend to think sometimes that leaders should be stern and they should appear to be very structured. And I don't have time for this. No, we can't talk about your feelings. You have work to do. How, what kind of challenges have you uh, found out, not only as a woman in the workplace, but also a caring woman? I think um, it, when, when you listen to this question and you're in a place in your life, having experienced one job for a, a, a significantly long time, um, 36 years is a long time to be part of something that is greater than you are. Um, so many of us had the incredible opportunity to be a part of the Phillies. We call it Phillies family for such a long time. The reason you label something family is because you're emotionally connected to it. And the community that you know Bill and David built here um, and while they're not here at this moment, we're all trying to figure out right now how to emulate Philly's culture moving forward. But everyone on this call and all of our colleagues here are actually all part of it, um, maintaining the culture that's good, adjusting and saying, you know, the legacy that these folks have left behind for us is to figure out and identify what's good and why it feels so good when you're working here, why colleagues who leave are still saying this is the best place that I will ever work. So it is a feeling, but it's a responsibility for everybody to uphold it. Um, going back to figuring out how to be a leader, um, you know, when I think of people like Adele and Shannon, um, people like Betty Ann Robb, who worked here, Chris Long, Mike Demuzio, there have been amazing, incredible legacy employees that really showed us how to be. And I think along your career, you're going to kind of point to those things about that person that you want to emulate. Um, some of those values for me are really doing more listening than talking, um, really listening to people and saying, what was that person trying to tell me? Mm. And then what is also important for our leaders to know? Um, when you are a listener and there are things that are affecting a department or a relationship with a certain person, how can you best advocate to improve the culture and still be a leader? So I think building trust um, with colleagues, being a person who has an open door, an open phone line, an open Zoom call, there, there's plenty of ways to creatively connect. We are literally doing that right in this moment. Um, but I think I think it's really upon all of us to figure out in maintaining something that's so special here. How do I, you know, as a person contribute to making sure the culture is good? And that's for all of us, you know, to figure out for ourselves. Then our departments are strong. Our leadership is strong because we're informed. We're making sure, just as Dr. Candace said, you know, there is some point in, in our community here. If someone had the courage to ask that question about being non-binary, TJ and I talked about it. Does everyone in our company know what that is, right? And so the conversation and learning that we all have to do about 
making this place a, a, a place where everyone feels valued and belongs, that's upon all of us to figure it out together um, as a Phillies community, because here at this ballpark, every single fan is welcome. And we have to ensure that that is something that is within the walls um, from everyone who works from, you know, Florida to our friend Kayla and the Dominican, Ev everybody belongs in this place and feels good and valued about the company. So as a leader, I think that's you know, and continuously commit it to that piece of it is to ensuring culture stays good. And Kathy, most of all, you continue to lead by example as we try to maintain that legacy that uh, Bill and David set for us. Uh, and uh, gosh, it, it isn't easy, you're right. Uh, but it all comes back to respecting each other and, and continuing with our work. And at the same time, uh, I guess feeling how lucky we all are, Kathy, to, to still have this, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there was a moment of sadness for a while. Um, we also had a lot of people leave the company a few years ago. And um, the absence of those people causes you to say, how do we replace the work, but find a person who was as good as that person? I think we lost near 60 people, um, you know, in those departures. But what I'm finding is the energy enthusiasm and commitment of our younger employees and new employees that come from other places. There's so much good stuff there to build off of and listening to our, our newer and younger employees. That is exciting for me um, to think about what could be if we would simply listen and rely on them. People like our help desk and our interns and new employees who come from other places. And wow, maybe they have some ideas to make us even better than we thought we could be. So that's kind of exciting. I wanna remind everybody who's on this Zoom call uh, that we're trying to do a, a kind of a two-way or three-way or, you know, 35, if we have 35-way uh, conversations here. So if somebody uh, on the panel says something that inspires you or uh, you have a, a question about what somebody said, uh, we can follow that up. All you got to do is use the chat function or ask uh, the question live uh, for our panel and TJ can take care of that. Kathy? Yeah, so we have another um, really great question here. Um, Shannon, you've already discussed your role as a mom. Um, however, you know, there are others here who might be caretakers for a parent, sibling, a friend, um, or even for a pet. So I, I wanna point to two colleagues that are on this call today just to give you know, a few moments of what their experience has been. My first um, person I wanna reach out to is Ari. And just talk about, you know, life living with your cat. Ari, I got to live that a little bit and, and talk to you a lot, but just share that a lot of you become pet parents over time. Can you share, Ari? He has heard everything about my pet. Um, so I think I have, if this shows up, our coworker got me this. I work hard so that my cat can have a better life. Um, so that's the joke of, I used to have a lot of roommates. And then once all my roommates moved out, I got a cat. I almost got a second cat this year. So I embraced the crazy cat lady. Um, but yeah, it offers definitely a level of um, yes, compassion. And then, like I said, I live alone. So it's really nice to have something in the house when I come home, um, different type of relationship. And she loves to cuddle. So that helps. And, but it's also like Kathy has heard, Kathy has heard uh, I, I buy everything for my cat. And then I also joke that it's like having a weird little toddler 
Um, while easier, she does have to go to the vet next week. So I have to figure that out with work because they're only open in the mornings and things like that. Um, so less difficulty than a child, but definitely still rewarding in your life. Yeah, and just as much love. Thanks, Ari. Kelly, our next question comes uh, from one of our guests. It has to do with mental wellness, specifically about being a perfectionist. And, and, and I only agreed to be a part of these calls if there was a, an openness and, and the total expression of honesty among all of us. And I've said this in the past during these that I suffer from anxiety. And, and even this uh, spring training now, because everything is jammed, and we are really working much harder trying to get everything ready for the season. Uh, I've had feelings of anxiety because I, I wonder now I've missed two spring trainings because of COVID and the like, and, and, I, and I'm wondering, have I lost my fastball? And, and I, you know, I, that that's terrible when you want to keep working and you want to keep contributing. So I guess what are some of the ways we can control these anxieties or fears that we're not good enough, especially in the working world? Every time we talk about mental wellness, I'll say the same thing, communicate and cope. Those are the two things that I often employ in a moment of anxiety. Um, I have them often. I have a very stressful job. And um, the best thing I can do when I start to feel those pressures and that level of intense anxiety is that I, I text somebody right then and there, or I call somebody right then and there. Um, you know, Shannon sounds like a great resource in your organization, someone who understands work-life balance and stress, call Shannon, say, I'm so stressed right now. Um, I feel like I can't, you know, take this to the finish line or, or I'm not giving 100% and I want to. And, you know, just sometimes those quick little brief calls, chats, emails, texts can go such a long way when someone like Shannon responds back and says, you're doing a good job. We all you know, love the work that you're putting out, you know, so getting that little bit of extra support through communicating about the way that you feel is such a helpful resource in your mental wellness toolbox. And then, you know, the other one is to cope. And for me, when I get really stressed out, usually I just need a five minute coping skill that I can use to help me center myself and that sometimes is doing jumping jacks or some burpees. Mm. I, I like physical stuff. So that helps me when I have anxiety, it feels like it's, it's like bursting out of me and I need to like do something physical and, and get it out. So I'll do five minutes, just burpees. And then I'm so tired. I don't have energy to be anxious. <laughs> um, but for some people, it could just be doing the wordle for five minutes and just decompressing and doing something a little bit more cerebral rather than physical. But you know, communicate and then cope. And I use those sometimes twice or three times in a, in a stressful day, text a friend, do something physical um, to help get me over the hump of those big feelings of anxiety. Is it more helpful? And again, we're dealing with Women's History Month. Uh, do women understand women better uh, than, than if, if a woman uh, calls a man, is he going to understand the same? Is there something genetically? And, and, and again, I'm referring this, I guess, to Women's History Month, Kelly. Is, is, I know my wife always reaches out to one of her friends who's female uh, when somehow I guess I don't get it. Is there something there? <laughs> um, I'm sure that every person would have their own response. I have a um, few really close relationships with men. And 
they would totally understand me reaching out to them um, with any level of, you know, anxiety is a universal feeling. So mm -hmm. they can totally be great resources in this area. Um, many other women might only want to reach out to women and that's okay too. I think um, men and women do have a lot of differences, but also we're all humans and have a ton of similarities. So I use men in my support group, my mental wellness support group often. Um, so I give you a little more credit than you're giving yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure I deserve it, but thank you. Take it. So I just wanted to circle back with Shannon on that because Shannon, you know, as a woman leader who has what I consider a very full plate, you know, you are a leader here. So how, you know, as a director of finance, you have a, a very big group of people and a lot in your life. So, you know, as you're ascending into a leadership role and a caretaker at the same time, what are some words of wisdom that you can share? Yeah, so I mean, there's certainly days as a caretaker where it feels like, you know, there's too much to do or it's impossible to please everyone. And I certainly struggled, you know, along the years wondering if I'm taking steps backwards in my career every time I have to leave early to take a kid to an appointment or, if, you know, one of my kids wakes up sick and you have to rearrange your schedule because there's still a mindset that exists that you can't be successful at both, you know, caretaking and career wise. Um, but there's a recent study that I, I just learned about that was published called Reframing Motherhood, which was done with the purpose of, of advancing equality in the workplace, which proves that taking care of others, so being a caretaker, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, like you mentioned, a friend, a sibling, a parent, a pet, um, kids, anyone, that is actually an opportunity because the skills that you either develop or you possess as a caretaker, which you know includes empathy, multitasking, flexibility, time management, staying calm under pressure, those are all skills that you need to be successful in the workplace. So I'm I'm a big believer, you know, with my team that you can be successful at both roles, and they certainly see me play both both parts. Um, somebody tells me that they need to leave early to take their mom to an eye doctor appointment or stay home with a sick kid or even just a repairman coming over to their house and they you know aren't available for a couple hours my response is always you know great good luck because the mentality that you're disadvantaging your career by taking care of you know something personal whether it's an object a person a you know something in your house um i just i think it needs to go away and we need to be comfortable knowing that people can be successful at both at both home and work. It's, it's so well said, Shannon. Um, Andrea Guest and I, you know, got into a conversation a few weeks ago about caretaking, you know, for parents and maybe some older people that are in our life. And I asked her to just share a few, you know, thoughts about that because she's been through some things during pandemic too. Andrea? You're still on mute, Andrea. <laughs> Forgot I there was you on go. Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, when the pandemic, I'm sure with a lot of other people, when it hit, it just kind of put the brakes on everything, which was like, we were all afraid and, you know, it was a really um, bad thing, right? But in a way, it kind of put the brakes on how we were living our lives for so long. And even in the work life, just like getting up every day, coming to work at nine, you know, leaving at five, staying late, like when the season's here, working so many hours, um, you know, it, it's really been nice to try another way and find the balance. So I had always hope to be a mom, but I, it just didn't happen for me. And sometimes that's, you know, they say life's what happens when you're busy making other plans. I help take care of the fanatic. I could be like, we joke, Chrissy was his mom. I'm like the sister. So at work, I was kind of doing like a, a mothering, you know, sisterly type role, 
But um, like I said, I never had any children and my siblings started having children. So I, I was, right before the pandemic, I was very active in their lives. But once the pandemic hit and we were home, I have to be honest, with the Fanatic, we weren't as busy. With my, my boss, I wasn't as busy. I needed something constructive to fill my time. And I love my nieces and nephews. And there, there just happened to be a couple born even during the pandemic. So now I have five. <laughs> so I even helped my niece. She started kindergarten. Uh, kindergarten in 2020. So I, I helped her a lot with virtual kindergarten. And I really have, it's another topic, but such an appreciation for teachers, even though I have a lot of them in my own family. But what some of these teachers had to go through and what I saw even trying to find all this stuff, I can only imagine what some of my fellow, you know, um, coworkers who were moms were dealing with. So I was just around to help out whatever my family needed. My, my stepdad is dealing with dementia. So it's a lot because my mom helps with the kids. So it was just, um, you know, good to be a utility person and just be there. And, I, and with that, I did get a lot out of it myself because, you know, like I said, I really do love the kids. I give them what, like what I had, if I would give it as a mother, you know, not ever overstepping my boundaries, but um, it was, it was really a nice break. And then even now it's like, wow, it's nice being out of the office a little bit, but you feel guilty sometimes. So you, you have to, for me, it's been finding the balance I always liked being in the background, even though I managed the fanatic. It's it's a very fun job. I'm not going to lie, but I was more behind the scenes um, person with that. But you can't be too behind the scenes either. You got to make sure you're still there, you're still present, you're still um, you know coming into work and things. So for me, it's just been finding the balance too of of my work life and my work home life, and just. Um, making it a, a taking a different approach with it just but, but making sure you don't get too used to being at home I got to be honest you know and now you know we, we were in the lockout and it's just so exciting that now we, we know baseball's back the fanatics back more we, you know we were having like a, a lawsuit too so so much has changed in addition to the pandemic in my working world but I found other ways um, to be present and a, and a part of just different things here at the Phillies that I could do or you know like I said with my um, my family. Um, so I, I enjoy that and being a part of the, the kids' lives. You know, now, I, like I said, I have two younger um, nieces and I just, I feel bad because I put them to the wayside because when the first, my first niece came, she's going to be seven. Everything was about Gracie. And then, you know, as they more comments, like I could see even how you're a mother uh, or father of uh, multiple children. How do you always take care of the baby? Or, you know, it's just one of those things. So yeah. I, they say as soon as, you know, like, up oh, that we got another convert for, you know, but the like the two month old and the eight month old, I'm like, you know, I'll see you guys when you turn one or something, you're talking, I'm just too busy with the other ones. So, and I'm part of their activities. If they want piano lessons or something like that, I'm just there to help. Because like I said, my brother and sister and all are teachers. And my sister was an engineer for Pepsi when she had her first son and they didn't shut down. Like, you know, the Phillies did. They, she was running um, a plant. So, you know, the, the Pepsi has to be made. So I would be like, like I said, I was never a mom, but I was with my nephew since he was five months old. So mm -hmm. like what Shannon was saying too, it's like, you know, a lot of those skills you do use, um, the, you know, with, as, as the mom said, when the kids fall, I'd be like, oh, no, you can't do that. It's okay. Let's go. Let's move on. Let's, you know, and just communicating. And like what Kathy said, something I didn't do a lot. And I really had to practice is active listening just listening to what someone's saying and not always want to put your two cents in, like really listening. Are you just like half listening? Are you really listening to what that person say? So I try to do that and not always come back. Like I try to think about how I'm going to respond or even sometimes even sleep on it over the night. And I might have a much different response that a lot of times um, is a better one for me. So, 
Anyway, thanks for having me. That's all. <laughs> Dee, it's always it's always fun to see you. And and uh, don't sell yourself short. You you take care of the biggest baby I know. That that green thing behind you. Yeah, and he's Good waiting moment. on me. In a couple minutes, I'm gonna have to head out because I got to drive him to the airport to go to Clearwater. <laughs> he's yeah. coming to us now. So yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to see him. I wish you were following him as well. KK, you have another question? I sure do. And actually, we're going to head back to Dr. Candice on this one here. Um, you have such an extensive, uh, extensive amount of knowledge and training and um, situations that you've gone through um, when dealing with marriages and relationships. Um, so we, we want to know, you know, what we as partners um, can do to help our significant others in the working world, in our personal time, and what we can do to make sure that we're supporting their aspirations as individuals to make for a richer relationship? That's an awesome question. Um, I think one of the first things is to really recognize our role as dream builders. I think one of the the greatest blessings of being in a relationship with people is to support them and encourage them and to be those dream builders. And it kind of first starts with communication to, to not just assume that we know what their goals and dreams are, but to constantly, constantly be in communication with people regarding, you know, what are your dreams? What are your goals? What's your vision? What are you trying to do? Um, and, and keep on asking because it changes, <laughs> you know, what someone told you two years ago may not be, or even last year may not be for them right now. And so I think it's so important to engage people in those conversations and to be the support that they need you to be. I always say you can use the windows that you have. One of the greatest things about relationships is we have windows into people's lives, especially our partners and those who are close to us. We get to see them sometimes when they're at their low point, when they're feeling uh, really discouraged when they're, when, you know, a hard day has really gotten them shaken. And so we can use those special moments to remind them of their dreams, remind them of how awesome they are. I remind them of how much of a hard worker they are, remind them of the last sort of barrier that they overcame. And so we can, I always say, like to say, be their greatest cheerleader, um, especially when, when they're in the, those uh, hard spots where they're questioning, can they do it? They're not sure. Um, you know, we can really serve to be the those supports um, to be those cheerleaders. And I think we can also ask people, you know, what can we do to lighten your load? It looks like you're really overwhelmed and really stressed. And I know you're pursuing that dream, but what can I do to lighten your load, even if it's just for 10 minutes or an hour? And not assuming that we know what the answer is, because sometimes we, as partners or, you know, close friends, we can make an assumption and say, oh, I'm going to do that for that person. And we don't necessarily know that that might not be the thing that would be most helpful for that individual. So we, again, need to communicate to ask them, what can we help to do to lighten that person's load to be a source of encouragement and to remember just because someone's really good at something doesn't mean that they're not overwhelmed by it. So again, you know, just offering those that, you know, support asking questions and being able to be a really present support in people's lives. And Dr. Candice, it looks like there's a line that's running through all of these questions and answers, and it does come back so many times to communication. But before we let our terrific panel depart today, we want to ask one final question that can double as a, a question or a call to action, in fact. Uh, how can we as a community spread awareness of mental health and help women who are struggling in dealing with the anxieties and the expectations, let's be honest, of being a woman in the workplace? Kelly, we'll start with you, then we'll go to Shannon and Dr. Candace, and we'll end with our co-host for the day, Kathy. 
Uh, to just tackle the mental health piece, um, have those conversations, especially with the young people in your life. Um, if you have nieces, nephews, um, you know, daughters, na- the neighborhood kids, you know, have these conversations with as many young people that you come in contact with about mental health to destigmatize it for them, let them know you're a safe person to talk to about mental health. Um, it's so important that we empower our young people to feel comfortable to open their their mouth and ask for help if they need it. And for women in the workplace, um, you know, conversations like these are so important and continue to be honest about your experience. Um, I know that I do often is talk about my own experience in the workplace, being a woman in the workplace to inspire other people to share theirs and create a community and a support network around that. It's again, all about just giving people the opportunity to feel comfortable sharing their experience and talking about these things because we all probably have shared experiences and feelings and we go through so many of the same things, um, but now it's time to talk about them. And that's what I'm really grateful to have been here for today is to just be a part of the conversation and hopefully you guys continue to have it in your workplace moving forward. We are fortunate to continue with this discussion for sure in our workplace and uh, I'd like to thank you, Kelly, for, for opening up and, and sharing your experiences with us. It's, it's been very helpful. Shannon? Yeah, I mean, very similar advice, you know, just keep talking about it. So, you know, ask for help, tell someone how you're feeling and I guarantee you're not alone in, in whatever, you know, if you're feeling a certain way, there's someone out there that that knows what you're going through. And, you know, through those conversations, you can either gain advice on how somebody else may be tackled, you know, how you're feeling, or you can at least form a support community within, for us, you know, your workplace. So, you know, I think it's time that we just shine a light on how important it is for women to be in the workplace. And instead of hiding the anxieties and pressure and stress that comes along with that, we just, it's okay to make it known so that it's just part of, of what, what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, Dr. Candace. I think, you know, part of it is is continuing these kinds of conversations and they really help us to build a culture that really acknowledges mental health instead of ignoring it. And I think it's, you know, some of the things that we talked about today, you know, really building a culture that um, does not reward uh, self-harming behaviors, you know, the checking email all night, you know, working 24 hours a day, there are some spaces where that's rewarded, right? And so mm-hmm. we, we kind of get on the cycle because it's rewarding for us. We mm-hmm. get the promotion, we get, you know, the accolades, we get the pat on the back from our, co- from our colleagues and our coworkers. And so um, when we stop rewarding those behaviors and we instead reward behaviors that are self-promoting, that are promoting our work-life balance, that are promoting our own mental wellness and providing space and prioritizing ourselves and our families, helping us to understand that we don't have to choose one or the other, that we can have both and that we can succeed at both, as was uh, said, I think is so uh, really important and making safe spaces for people to be able to share what's going on and to to be honest about the struggles with that balance um, and to value some of that um, you know, time that might be more invisible, you know, that's not necessarily the, the grand product that we can see. But when we start to value everyone's time, value the caretaking, understand that it contributes to our uh, workspaces in a positive manner, then I think that we can uh, build a really supportive um, and healthy work environment. I guess it's true that all of us as humans need an attaboy or a girl, obviously. Uh, every now and then, right? It just it just feels good. It makes us feel good. 
gets us ready for our next task. I'm so happy that uh, Kathy Killian has joined us uh, today uh, as our co-host. Uh, Kathy, you mean so much to this organization. You mean so much to all of us. So let's give you the final word. So I guess one of the things I'll leave with today is um, being able to have events like this and partnering with an incredible organization who actually has resources and professionals like Kelly, who simply were vulnerable enough to share their story, um, I think for me makes us all better allies in understanding of how we listen, how we help, and then we also circle back with people. Um, the words, uh, it's okay to not be okay. I've heard that so much during pandemic and when you're reading people's faces or you see people isolating um, or are just simply concerned about a colleague at work, it's okay to email them. It's okay to connect with them. Um, it's okay to circle back and say, hey, I heard you lost your mom. You know, like these are really tough times and pandemic, um, people are struggling and there's so much suffering going on, but they're suffering internally, right? In our head, in our hearts that maybe people just don't know about because you're not talking about it. So mm -hmm. as far as us being better people, you know, partnering with Minding Your Mind is really bringing us to a better space as human beings who also work for the Phillies, right? Um, this is the best place in Philadelphia to hang out and have fun and take yourself away from the regular world and simply just be here. Everyone's welcome here. Well, the same applies, you know, to, you know, our work family. Like we each have to take care of each other. We simply are not gonna tolerate a place that has bullies or gives people the silent treatment. This is a place where we wanna have deep benches, teams of people, um, a place where we value the time of all of our employees. Um, you know, I, I look at Dave Buck over the last few years as a leader, and there's no one here that loves his children and his wife more than Dave. But he's also emulated that and put some things in space in place here um, that we have a manager on duty system. So believe it or not, there are going to be some days when that person, that leader is not here because he's at a basketball game with his son or he's at his daughter's recital. In that, that allows space for all the leaders to enjoy family and life in a certain way. And so that gives all of us permission to say, hey, if you wanna to go to that wedding this weekend, it's okay, I got you covered. So we have deeper benches, we have more people and more teams, and we have the enthusiasm to continue to you know, describe what Philly's family means, um, have the horses and the resources to take care of it, to be better listeners. And in that, that's the legacy of this place. It is, it is a tremendously beautiful and wonderful place to work, but we each as individuals must and be obligated to take care of it. This kind of conversation is in fact that should empower all of you to simply be better people, be allies, be better informed, take care of each other. And I, I'm really grateful to everybody who did attend today and certainly thank our partners at Minding Your Mind. Um, thanks Scott for being vulnerable at the beginning of all of this to saying, you know, hey, there's some times I feel vulnerable too. TJ has been the catalyst for all of us, but it is upon each of us to kind of take care of each other, take the message back to our respective departments and um, make this organization and this season ahead of us one of the best. So thanks again, Scott, for having me. And thank you, TJ. Gosh, Kathy, as usually, you have put an exclamation point on our discussion. 
Uh, it has been such uh, time well spent. Uh, thanks to you, obviously, Kelly, for opening up uh, and all the great folks at Minding Your Mind. Shannon, thank you so much for being a part of this discussion. Uh, and uh, Dr. Candace, uh, you and your husband uh, have, have joined us now, so you're, you're our pair. We, we certainly appreciate uh, all your expertise. And uh, Andrea, for coming in and, and talking about the fanatic. Andrea, I hope if the fanatic is getting on a flight, you've got him an entire row because he, I wouldn't want to sit next to him. That's all I'm saying, okay? <laughs> and, and, and also the TJ and our sponsor, Kate. Uh, law offices, uh, uh, law group. And we couldn't do this, as we said, with, without some help with sponsorship. So uh, I just can't tell you, this is one of the most important things I do uh, with the law club. And I, I treasure these moments to uh, spend talking about some very important issues. So thank you all. We're a little over our time limit. So I, I hope, uh, you know, we haven't extended too long, but I think it's been a very fruitful discussion. Thanks again, everybody. and Enjoy the rest of your day.